Is your marriage getting worse instead of better? Has there been talk of separation, or is either spouse considering divorce? If any of these apply, then Love Reboot is your answer. Come join the hundreds of couples who were once in despair and headed for divorce, but are now experiencing a thriving, growing relationship after attending a Love Reboot weekend. Visit us at growinglovenetwork.org for more information on an upcoming Love Reboot workshop. Relationship Rewire is made possible by support from its listeners. So please hit pause and go to growinglovenetwork.org and click on the donate button. Go ahead, we'll be glad to wait. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's wrong and what's right with marriage and relationships in our world today. This episode is titled, What Changed Everything for Us? And my guest is Dave Galbraith. I've got with me Dave Galbraith here, who is the president and the founder of Breakthrough Moments. And uh, tell us uh, briefly, what is Breakthrough Moments, Dave? All of us at some point or another, John, thanks for having me, is uh, are up against the wall with, with whether it's crisis or whether it's just confusion, conflicts in our lives, chaos that happens just because of the human experience. And so in those moments, uh, there needs to be places like Breakthrough Moments that where there are people uh, that are willing to enter in to those places with you, uh, help you navigate, help you figure it out. Uh, and I would actually say help you begin to understand what is it that God is doing in this and through this in your life. And so uh, we've just felt called to do that um, in a more specific, narrow way. So then sometimes it might be crisis intervention or something just, just uh, not going right and someone needs help right now. Or maybe it's just somebody who's... Uh, having faith crisis or, or just the, the dots aren't lining up and, and they're frustrated with life and they, they're looking for a way for uh, someone to, to help them make some sense of it. Uh, so it could be anything from one extreme to the other and yet our desire is for people to take a good look at themselves uh, individually and for their marriage so that God can work in them in new ways, deeper ways, and affect their, their life in joyful ways. Okay, so... There's Dave's description of it. And he's he, in his humility. He's not going to tell you, but to, um, it's not like he's got a few clients that he works with that are his neighbors and friends. He's got um, a couple of big uh, uh, organizations, international and one uh, big uh, health uh, company, health insurance company that he works with. And uh, so, yes, Dave Dave is is an expert in his field and and uh, sought after. Um, by some pretty big uh, organizations. That's why I've got him here, because I want to tap into uh, what, what he has gained. And, and I've gotten to know Dave over the last few years, um, uh, working with an organization called the San Antonio Marriage Initiative. And, and, and uh, we are both passionate about uh, good, healthy marriages. And that's a lot of what Dave does his breakthrough uh, moments with. It works with couples 
So um, last time, um, and by the way, if you missed the last episode, you you really need to go back and hear. You're just going to get a lot of um, deep insight from Dave and helpful insight. But uh, we we talked a little bit about what's what we see wrong. Uh, we call it the the fluffiness of most approaches to helping marriages and relationships, and and um, we also admit to um, both of us, uh, maybe me more than him, sometimes being fluffy in our approaches. But um, but so we're not knocking any any organization or individual uh, about that. But just we do see a lot of. Um, targeting too much of the surface of what's going on and not really getting to the, the heart of what's happening and um, and, and creating sustaining, lasting change and, and good change, healthy change, especially for marriages and relationships. So we, we talked a little bit about what we saw were some of the problems. We want to go to today more into, into um what does that look like? What what are these what are these mindsets that are uh, that tend to be the things that we've got to go in and change and 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 then what we're really looking for is heart change, and right. that's what changes the mind. And then when the mind is changed because the heart's changed, then the behaviors change. And we right. talked a little bit about that about so many of the approaches are. Are going at it from the total other end. They get in the the cart before the horse, or as Dave said, the the caboose in front of the engine, and working uh, f- primarily mm-hmm. on the behavior change, which is not sustainable. And he, I think he even said it's it's impossible mm-hmm. it, uh, because we it's not going to last. And so um, one of the things we were uh, discussing that we want to talk about today is this uh, one big problem that we see in our culture is the idea of what commitment looks like or is commitment even necessary in a marriage and and i was thinking uh, i have a niece that said john you've got to watch uncle john she said you've got to see this show called um married at first sight and and just the title of it said to me i said i don't think i want to watch that show she said no you need to see it because it might be something that you can Mm -hmm. talk about and uh, so I recorded, uh, set the TV to record the episodes, and I watched a couple. So the premise is there's this panel of so-called experts, uh, different um, you know, psycho- psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, uh, social worker, and um, they're using um, you know some scientific techniques to mm-hmm. hopefully bring two people together based on on what they are calling compatibility. And I'm going to put quotations around that word compatibility because it's a big, uh, it's become a uh, hot topic. Uh, it's, I, I would say it's, in our culture, it has become kind of the, the uh, North Star for hmm. um, what people hope for, for long-lasting, if not life-lasting relationship slash marriage. And... So their premise is if we, we have these couples volunteer and and they take some different you know personality tests and some questionnaires about their likes and dislikes and all that stuff, and we find two people that are very similar along those lines, and then they volunteer to sight unseen, get married based on our recommendations, and stay married for at least six weeks while we film them going through these six weeks. And then wow. at the end of the six weeks, we... We say, what do you think? You're going to keep going? And then they tell us whether they're going to keep trying to 
quote unquote, stay committed. And, uh, and it, boy, just, uh, it turns my stomach to watch because it's based on so many, what I think are fallacies mm. in, in, in our cultural thinking. So what are you, what are you seeing as, um, you, you were talking about commitment, Dave, yeah. um, what are you seeing as some fallacies in people's ideas of commitment or do they even need commitment? Yeah, boy, I got, I got to see one of those shows, but I, uh, I think I would walk away uh, shaking my head. But, uh, but maybe it's what we have to understand is the snapshot of a culture which runs from commitment, particularly in the area of marriage, because it's based on the thought that as long as it's working for me, then my needs are being met which feels very legitimate, right? Uh, I have legitimate needs, certainly, that, uh, and if I marry somebody, their role in my life would be to help meet my needs. So there's nothing illegitimate about that until that becomes the focus, and that, is, that becomes the determining factor of whether I'm in or out, whether I'm committed or not. Uh, I would be in trouble as a husband if my wife had that as a criteria. Well, he's getting her done right now, but, uh, well, he sure didn't last week. Yes, or, or whatever, right? And so I, I think that it's it, it sets up for a, a tremendous predicament. I, you know, it's it's like the the cell phone contracts of the world, where uh, I just heard a new commercial and that sounds better. And if I have to buy my way out of my old contract, no problem. It's a contract, and I can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, they've already assumed that a certain percentage of us will do that. Yes. and that's why they build in fees to those because they're going to make their money. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, right? But if you think about it in a broader term, it's it's what we're used to doing. We break, we see contracts being broken every day because they're based on one simple question: Is that still working for me? Yeah. Well, let me ask you something, Dave. You've been married how many years? Only forty-five. John. Only forty-five. Okay, so you're pretty new at this. Yes. And but in those forty-five years, you know, even though it's been a short time, we were married person. when we were ten, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, okay. In case you wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, how old Dave is? Um, forty-five years. And would you say you have a good marriage? We have a we have a really good marriage. Okay. So, in other words, um, your wife meets all your needs. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, at some point, I actually figured out not only is that a uh, not a problem, mm-hmm. but that uh, it's it's more than that. That the very fact that God put somebody in my life who does not have the capacity to meet all of my needs helps me to direct my attention toward Him at times when only He. Okay, so in the best scenario, so you're giving her a lot of grace because she doesn't have the capacity. So that I guess then for yeah. this marriage to work, you meet all her needs. Yeah, pretty much no way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Don't you, you you were saying you you know that we at good marriage we need to be meeting each other's needs. Yeah. I so think. so needs is an interesting thing, right? You were talking earlier about compatibility, and compatibility makes the assumption that we're so alike in our interests, in our likes and dislikes, in our talents and giftedness that it's just this natural drawing together. My experience is that those relationships struggle more oftentimes that the very thing that I needed, whether I was aware of it or not, was a wife who can do some things I can't do, who can see some things I can't see. Mm-hmm. In fact, every once in a while would have the courage to actually speak into me something that I need to hear, whether I felt like I needed it, in quotations, right. <laughs> or not. 
the best marriages are ones who have great compatibility because they have accepted the fact that the uniqueness of each one, the diversity of each one has been has been brought together in what Scripture actually calls this one flesh relationship. That there's something mystical about it that's bigger than this. And when we're called together, it's not because we're just pals and and uh, we're great friends and the sex is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, that's the world we live in. And that's as long as those two those two parts of the triangle are in good shape, we're good. Now, there's actually this bigger thing going on. And God's actually using us in each other's lives in ways that's pretty cool but that isn't based on my needs or her needs. So it sounds like you'd like to redefine, the, the culture says compatibility means being alike. Yeah. And you would like to refine compatibility means we're all different and it's yeah. appreciating and accepting what's different and using that in the relationship. Yeah, it's well said. I, I would actually say what where we're alike in is the fundamentals of who we are. Okay. Not what we do. What do you mean? And so as she and I being followers of Christ, we have anchored ourselves in the position that as redeemed ones, that we have life, spiritual life that we can share. And so when Scripture's talking about um, about this one flesh relationship, not only, I'm not a theologian, but I know enough to say, well, what, that makes no sense. Uh, I can think about it physically or sexually, but what does it mean to be one flesh? It means when God sees us, he sees that we have so melted our lives together mm-hmm. um, that he can only see one entity, one one flesh. Scripture uses the the uh, concept or the reality of covenant, and covenant, whatever whatever you understand or don't understand about covenant, is something totally different than contract. Right. Which we we're talking about. Yes, very so contract uh, until until it doesn't work anymore. I'm good. I'm in the game. But I've always kind of got one foot out the door because I'm always judging it on that basis. A covenant says, I am fully in the game. God has called me to this. I have responsibilities to this. But I know because God sees this that where the greatest joy and the greatest meaning is going to be as we really uh, decide that that we are committed beyond our physical, personal ability to do it we're it's beyond that john if you if you could yes. actually define it because i am so in the game and this that's not what the world and culture we live in wants to wants to hear yeah i just heard a, a quote the other day somebody said contracts were made to be broken yes that's right. um and a covenant um you're saying it cannot be broken right i mean when scripture's talking about um uh, about relationships, even about the the terrible sides of relationships and divorce and things, it doesn't describe it as some. Well, at some point they agreed to disagree and go their separate ways, and it was it was what was best. It always talks about it in terms of God hates it, and when it's it, it actually uses the description of skin being pulled apart, being ripped apart, and it's not like the scalpel you get out and make this nice little neat little little tear and it just it just heals up really nicely people that are divorced know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. because it hurts it always hurts it always feels raw there's a scar there that i can see that i still have to deal with Mm -hmm. in my in my life and and so i don't say that to discourage people who had to go through those terrible things of divorce but just as a reminder they know more than i do what that feels like and so god describes it in this this kind of gruesome way of 
of it's never going to be clean and neat like we think it is in a contract arrangement. Yeah. Okay, so our culture is saying um, that marriage is more like a contract than a covenant. That as long as we're both satisfied with the arrangement, then then keep going. Um, But if we're not satisfied, then we either got to come up with a different arrangement that we can be satisfied with or we break the contract or well, either way you're breaking the contract that's right yeah so um a, a, a covenant you're saying is one that just says no it's not based on uh whether you're meeting my needs or whether i feel f- complete being married to you or um even if i'm unhappy um in my life situation with you that I'm still in this covenant where I'm still going to figure out a way to make things better with you. Yeah. And so where the, where the dilemma for many is, is I want to uh, drive the stake in the ground on covenant. I want to have that commitment, but this relationship sucks. Mm-hmm. The technical term I use every once in a while. Yeah. It's it's just not working for me, so I have to just swallow hard and accept it. And, and that's not what God says. Uh, that's not what Scripture talks about. Uh, it's difficult, and it may never fully meet my needs if that's how I'm judging it. And yet, marriages who are committed to covenant are notoriously and daily getting the job done in wonderful ways toward their mates because there's a spiritual element in them that allows them to do some things that they couldn't do if one foot was out the door. And we're always just keeping a score, the conditionality that, you know, that I was referring to. And so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Maybe that's why Scripture talks about it as a mystery, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing when, when that begins to be a part of the, hey, honey, good days and bad, I am in the game. Thank you for your grace and patience with me on those days when I wasn't getting it done. But my heart's desire is I am so committed to you that I am, with God's help, committed to you to do what he wants me to do in your life. I feel it not just as a responsibility. I do have those responsibilities. But as a privilege and opportunity for us to have something that's bigger than what the world thinks marriage is supposed to be. Okay, if I'm listening to this and I'm in a quote-unquote unhappy marriage, I might be thinking to myself, yeah, I agree with you, Dave, and John, because I'm on the same page with you. But but my life is miserable with my spouse. You don't know. I I do not see a way to be happy. I've tried. I've tried all these things. But my spouse keeps on doing fill in the blank or doesn't ever fill in the blank. And um, we are when we talk to each other, it ends up in an argument and or we don't talk to each other because we don't know how sure. to without it being an argument or we don't. Right. Uh, so I am unhappy in this marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so are, are, are you saying, Dave? that I should just stick it out and be unhappy for the rest of my life. So stick it out uh, implies, because I can't do anything about it, well, I'll simply settle 
and develop a new normal. That's my normal and, and, and live with it. And I don't think God ever would expect that of us. In fact, he would, he would expect much more. Um, but at the same time, there has to be a willingness to say, this isn't about how do we fix this? I'm not working on my marriage. I'm asking God to work in my marriage, in me. So what does that mean when I'm willing to begin to put my heart on the table, if you will? One of, one of the things I do, uh, you maybe noticed in Scripture, it talks a lot of, uses these wonderful words that begin with uh, the letters R-E. So you can think of some of the really spiritual ones like redemption or reconciliation and, and words like that that have great high meaning. But, um, but think about life this way. Uh, if I'm somebody who's stuck in my marriage, and this is just the way it's going to be, and I recognize that, so the first word being recognized, and I'm to a point where it's gotten to me, it's affected my spirit, I'm discouraged by it. It's actually, now I don't even work, I don't and, even feel like I'm working hard. And what I hear this. people say, it's it's affected my health, my mental, my physical. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, which is a natural manifestation. And so they now get to a second word, which I would say is, the word reject. They've actually gotten to a point where they said, this can't be this way. It's affected me at every level. I, I feel trapped in this. and I'm very sorry. The consequences of this, of this unhealthy marriage is affecting me uh, to a point where I'm deeply sorry about it. Sorry is a word that scripture actually talks quite a bit about. It uses word, the word sorrow most often. If you're in 2 Corinthians 7, it it talks about this worldly sorrow, and it says the world knows exactly what that's like. Everybody has those things in their life, whether it's literally death and loss, or whether it's usually how sorrow comes, which in the way of hurts and disappointments. Mm -hmm. If you had a marriage, and I was just so sorry that it was that way, I you might even describe your marriage as a sorry marriage, yeah. because it's gotten to a point where you're just sick of that part of that. Yeah, it hasn't fulfilled any level. So what do you do? Are you are you stuck? So I'm glad there's some other words that begin with R-E. God always says, well, if you're going to trust me, one of the things you're going to have to do is assume that there's some things that I want to do in you. And when you trust me, you're saying, while I'm working on you, Dave, you can trust that I am doing something in your spouse. Now that's a that feels... A mile away sometimes, right? When we don't feel like it's happening. But that, that is the ultimate faith decision. Mm -hmm. But what it basically says is, God, there's some things wrong in my life. And so a third word might be, I, I need to get serious with you about some stuff that's wrong. I, I need to repent of these things. I need to confess them. In the very same passage where we, in Second Corinthians 7 where it's talking about worldly sorrow, it says, but there is a godly sorrow. Yeah. And... And it says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. In other words, I say, you know what, God, if you can just keep me sensitive to the fact that there's stuff in my life that, I, that I'm not doing your way, maybe it's out of my own hurt and disappointment. But I, if I was really honest, your spirit is telling me, that's not right. That's wrong. That's an offense to you, the way sin is. Uh, I'm willing to walk in the reality of, of that and tell you that personally. I need your forgiveness. So what it says is godly sorrow leads to repentance. And it says repentance never disappoints. Why is that true? Because God wants us to always be on our knees feeling guilty and shameful toward him? Uh, absolutely not. God says, I will never condemn you and shame you. 
It's not who you are, but I will tell you in the spirit what it is that you would be doing if, if you were fully engaging in your life in Christ, right? Yeah. And so you begin to operate and say, God, is it possible? First John says it this way, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And then he says this little caveat at the end, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know, we started our conversation by saying, hey, we can, we're as messed up as anybody else sometimes. Yes. What does it mean when he gets the scrub brush out? And he says, you know, the way I'm going to keep you in the game, Dave, John, and your marriages when you're not being fulfilled or when it's not going where you want, is I'm going to keep the scrub brush out and I'm going to keep cleaning some stuff and taking going deeper with you in your life. And it's going to give you the capacity not only just to to stay committed in a, in a not in a difficult situation, but to actually begin with a clean slate, with a white board, if you will, erased and clean before God to say, I can replace that behavior, that thought, that attitude with something that's godly. That's actually my fourth word is repentance always makes us, brings us to a point where we can begin to replace ungodly behavior, ungodly thoughts, discouragement, fear with things of, of faith. Paul said, I was once slave to sin and now I'm slave to righteousness. He, he said, I can't help now but begin to kind of crowd out these other things with good stuff. So every marriage is looking for could I, do I really have the, the physical, emotional strength and I would say spiritual capacity to actually in a tough situation continue to do godly things, to stay in the game in my marriage at a commitment level, but even more than that, at a godly behavior level, yes. even though it's technically not measuring up for me. Can I trust God at that level? It's very hard, but it's where the rubber meets the road for, yes. for marriages. Now, all sorts of things are coming to mind. This is good <laughs> stuff. Um, one of those is, is uh, I don't know if you read this book by Tim Keller. I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah. But about about the uh, the prodigal son. Oh yeah. And and in in that he's saying, um, you know, this this story is not really about the prodigal son. Yeah. It's about the dad and the other son, the 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 son who stayed home, yeah. but then got jealous because his dad received it back. Yeah. And and um, I can't, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was saying that younger son's son, sin was not uh, what he thought. His sin was being right. Do you know, you're familiar yeah, with what I'm Yeah, I, I don't know how to say so, it better, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So translating that he, to what we're talking about, if, if I'm a spouse, yeah. if I'm somebody sitting here and listening to what, everything you just said, I would be going, well, that's great, Dave. But the thing is, I've tried everything. Yeah. I have repented. I am, I am trying to get better and better at mm. becoming like Christ, and I am reading every book I can on marriage. And it, my, I would love to take classes, but my spouse won't even go with me. Mm. And on the ones that they'll let me go by myself, I go and and. But still, it sounds like you're saying, no, there's always something to repent. Um, and, and a lot of times, it's not repenting of our actions, but repenting of our heart. And that that may be one of the things that God's doing with you right now is that scrubbing yes. He's doing is trying to get to that heart. He ultimately, yes, He would love your marriage to be wonderful, but that's not what He's ultimately after. He's after getting your heart lined up with His. And if your your heart is 
if you if we ever reach the place to where we think I've kind of arrived, then it's a setup. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it feels good in the moment. We've done our part, and yet uh, Scripture says that at that point, be careful because you'll fall. Yes. So it's it's this natural tendency that I've done all I can. And so, how do you stay sensitive to the Spirit of God in your life? Is is a we could talk about that all day, right? But it's but in a marriage where you feel trapped and you feel like you're doing your part and more, you are keeping score on that giant scoreboard in your heart, and and uh, and by any measure, you would be doing uh, good things toward it, and yet and yet uh, it's very easy for us to get to a point, usually in our own hurts, where we actually run out of steam at some point. Yes, if you've ever read the book um, "Hurt People, Hurt People," yes. Uh, and, and it's a catchy title, but what the reality is is that oftentimes people who are unsettled or unfulfilled in their marriages who have had legitimate hurts, actually at some point their heart gets unplugged, gets hardened, and they can actually have the capacity to do worse towards somebody than what's been done toward them out of a almost a revenge factor that they would never have guessed in a million years. Our hearts are sensitive at the deepest level. Yes. And they have all those things just working in them. And only God, as he stays active and alive in our hearts, and we make it moldable and say, God, what is it in me today that I could submit to you in a newer and deeper way? God, you know my disappointment of my marriage. You know the discouragement that I have, God. You know my desperation for you to work in my husband's or wife's life, God. And I don't see it happening. But while you're doing that, God, would you keep me in a position where I am willing to bring my junk before you as often as I need to. Because it's then, when you clean me, when you cleanse me, when you scrub me, that you're going to give me the capacity to continue to be godly in this situation. Yes. Well, we tell spouses, um, we tell individuals, you know, if you are not happy with your spouse... Hmm you will not be happy without your spouse. Mm, oh, wow. um, because what you're saying is your your state of mind, your state of well-being is dependent on that other person. So mm. if you're in that spot, you're what you're saying, I think here, Dave, is God's still got a lot of scrubbing to do. If yeah. you're saying, I'm not happy in my marriage, because he, what you're saying is, my happiness, my well-being, and I don't really like the word happy. I love being happy. It's yeah, fun. But, it's a tough word. But it's not, I don't think it's th- something to be pursued. Yes. In fact, the more we pursue it, the less we have of it, in my it opinion. seems like it, yes. But if, if I'm looking for that joyful, peaceful yes. life, um, and that is dependent on, on my spouse's behavior, then I, what I'm setting myself up for is mm. that, well, if I get out of this marriage, then... I'm going to go and put that in somebody else's hands and that they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to sustain that either. And so I'm just going yeah. to go around and I'm going to get more, my heart's going to become more and more hardened. And, and I'm going to get to that place where I am now exacting the kind of hurt on those people that was exacted on me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I, well said. Uh, I would just say one more caveat we were talking earlier about the cultural side of it Mm -hmm. it's already hard enough for any individual wherever they're at in their relationship with god in the middle of disappointment and hurt and struggle in their marriage 
to wake up every day and ask God to help them be what they need to be. Very, very difficult. Sure, yeah. Now, a layer on top of that, a culture which says, even oftentimes in our own churches, that uh, you don't have to put up with that. In fact, you shouldn't put up with that. Mm-hmm. And so they give them every reason. And it's no even, uh, people will say even, it's unhealthy to put up with it. Right. You're enabling that person. Right. And so that's pretty easy to hear uh, some days. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I worry about that for folks. So uh, do I have to be the guy who's always bringing the bad news? Yeah, you're just stuck. You gotta, you just gotta put. But I don't want to ever be that. No. But the reality is, in the commitment is a trust which says, God, the only thing that's going to change this is you, and you. If you'll just start with me, yeah. and keep me humble and pliable before you, God, that's my greatest chance of achieving what my heart's dream is, what my heart's desire is. And if I don't do it, I mean, I just know people that every day will tell me, well, I knew that was kind of true, but I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And and so, but I'm here to tell you the day that it was true. And I and being out of my marriage didn't solve it. I love how you said it a minute ago. It's if you're feeling that way in your marriage, you're going to feel that way out of your marriage. Right. And that's just fundamentally true. Okay. So I'm somebody listening to this and, and I'm going to keep coming. And they're in this place and and I, I'm thinking now, okay, Dave, John, yes, that's so easy for you to say because you got a wonderful wife. Mm. You sound like you both, You John's been married 31 years, Dave, what? 45. 145. You've been married 45 years. Well, you must have wonderful wives. And um, uh, they would probably say you're just wonderful husbands. But nobody would say that about who's been around my spouse for more than 10 minutes would say that about them mm. so you don't get where I'm coming from yeah. so it um, well I'm going to let you weigh on that but sure. my weighing in on that would be this yes I've been I am married to a wonderful woman and I am so thankful for her and I can't imagine when when I, I'm, I'm hoping he takes me first mm. but um there was a time in our marriage when neither one of us would have said anything like that about our marriage. In fact, hmm. we years well, around years three and four, we both had the thought, um, I married the wrong person. I married for the wrong reasons. Um, I made a mistake. Um, I don't like this at all. I want out. I don't like this other person. Um, they are not doing what a good spouse should do. And both of us could say that about, mm-hmm. and, and, and we could honestly say that about each mm-hmm. other. And um, in fact, we could still say that about each other. We're still not doing stuff, you know, that a good spouse should do. Mm-hmm. And we do, but um, me more than her, but, uh, <laughs> uh, it, but uh, and we, we had thoughts. Uh, we didn't, we discover this years later that, that, we were going through this. I mean, we knew we were going through a hard time, but yeah. we didn't know how bad the other thought about it until we talked about it about 15 years later when mm-hmm. we had started to learn to love each other. But uh, I was having thoughts like um, like little fantasies about her being in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just maybe I could go on with life that way. Or, mm-hmm. or you know, I really got serious about um, that, uh, you know, Come, come, Lord Jesus, today, 
sure. get me out of this. You Escape. know, <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, the reason I'm saying all that is that um, we both could say, "I have a spouse who is not what a spouse should be, mm-hmm. and I am miserable, and I want out of this, and I don't see." anything getting better and what changed for I think both of us although we didn't recognize it was each other it was each of us on our own going before God and saying do something and God Mm -hmm. said okay finally I can do something and then a little bit more of it was he was saying well I can do a lot more if you're really ready for me to work on you Mm -hmm. you know and not the relationship and teaching you how to love. Um, and that's been probably the best part of when I, that that train I think you were talking about getting on is when you, that fun train is when you start going, okay, I'm ready to start learning how to love. Because mm. it's not something I'm born to know that's how to right. do. And, that's uh, right. And so that's what's fun. The more I learn how to love, mm. then the more this, I get this joy out of life. So what, what's... I love your that, your story, John. I, I, uh, I had, you were in the third and fourth years. I was in the second and third years. So I beat you by one year uh, in, a, in a marriage where uh, I had a secret life, uh, drunk as much as I was sober, uh, actually was unfaithful to my wife, and out of terrible conviction, assuming that I had ruined my marriage and that if, if God could ever forgive me again, maybe but she would never be able to. And I actually left and a thousand miles away from her, mm-hmm. discovered that my wife, the betrayed one, uh, in a broken situation, uh, was actually hoping that I would come back home in full grace and God's wow. movement in her life uh, to say, uh, you, you have the capacity to forgive him because I forgave you. So much further up the road spiritually than I was. I'm still trying to catch up with her. (laughs) And so when I leaned into that and said, God, if that's possible, I get goosebumps as I think, talk, tell you every time, because that sounds crazy in a culture which says you shouldn't have to do with that. And and most of her friends, including her Christian friends, said, get rid of the jerk while you can. Mm -hmm. And she, that would have been legitimate. It would have been legitimate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... She chose not to, and God began to use that as this new catalyst for us getting our right, our, our lives right individually, mm-hmm. and get her giving me a chance to kind of catch up a little bit. Well, a lot of years later, the very core fundamental of why I would even care to help other people in their marriages is because I remember exactly what that felt like and where I was and what it was going to take to bring me to a point mm-hmm. of brokenness. And I can't do this. And the, the simple story is God did his miracle work in a way only he can do. And I could tell you countless stories of people I know and have seen happen. And so we just need some hope, right? Some of it is just this sense of, I just don't need hope that that could happen in my situation. And the reality is, here's two guys. We're just talking today. <laughs> yes. They're reminding each other, oh, that's where the hope comes from. Yes. We're not trying to, we don't live on pipe dreams here. Right. We know. Yes. What it took. And so uh, I love that. And that's why Love Reboot is, has got the passion that it has for you. Yeah. 
That's why breakthrough moments means yeah. what it does for me. Yes, because we've seen it, we've lived it. Yeah, you know, um, and we might. I think we talked briefly about this in the first episode. Uh, that um, another way of saying all this is that we, when we go looking for help with our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's got to change is that I'm not looking for help for the relationship because there's really that's not a thing that can be worked on. That's right. That's that's an abstract thing between two yes. people. So I can't say, uh, Bob and Sue, you guys, um, you can go on home. I'm going to work on your relationship. <laughs> uh, what we're doing is working on two individuals. And the That's only right. thing I can do in that is, is is I've got to get that place to where I just say, okay, work on me, God, and show me resources, lead me to people, lead mm-hmm. me to um, circumstances and experiences that help me love more like you love me. And, and then that's when things start yeah, to change. That's well said, John. Jesus never... Uh, came to us and, and said, "Okay, once you guys get all this worked out and and back, you, then you'll be acceptable again. I'll start blessing you." Yes, <laughs> it was always the opposite, right? right. So let's give this engine caboose thing. But 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 where the joy comes is when you begin to see God. You're preparing me so that whatever happens, I'm I'm wanting my marriage to be restored and rebuilt and take going to a, a next level. But one way or the other, the things that must happen in me, you're doing. To prepare me mm-hmm. for whatever whatever comes, and so uh, uh, almost sounds selfish a little bit, right? But there is this this element of, of, of getting ourselves ready, of equipping ourselves spiritually mm-hmm. for where God is going to have us, and and so that's enough to keep us busy. Yes, doing well, like that fourth R E word. Oh, yes, <laughs> replace for the rest of our life. We can keep replacing. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, we got plenty. That's what we tell couples that. Uh, when, so when is it time to work on your spouse? Well, when you when God's done working on you, yeah. <laughs> which is never, you know. One uh, of my favorite verses in Scripture, Philippians 1, it says that he who began this good work in you is going to carry it on to completion until the day of the Lord, which is pretty much means, well, until it doesn't matter anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, there's there's plenty to do. And I, I'm glad it's good news to me because there's, right. there's, there's still stuff, right? And it's actually freeing because you don't yes. ha- you don't have to try to fix your spouse. Oh man, which you can't do anyway. That's right. Well, you just said. fire yourself from it and you free yourself from it and right. and just focus on what God's doing in you. You know what the craziest thing, John, is if we just looked at the stats. Let's put let's close our Bibles for a minute and just look at the stats. If it's true that approaching one out of two marriages fail in a divorce, that must God must weep. Mm-hmm. So, but at the very least, these are people that have learned their lesson and they. They, they, they won't repeat this problem, and, and um, um, I'll make sure now. All that stuff, the mentality. I'll pick the I'll right be careful. person this time. I probably won't even marry next time. I'm just going <laughs> to have somebody, a relationship that's service better, but no strings attached. Whatever it is. So they go into those relationships. You know what the numbers are on those? They, they're even worse. They're worse. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've seen numbers as high as 7 out of 10 of those relationships. Right. It could even be higher for relationships where they weren't married because... They were in the game, but always one foot out. As long as it right. works out, I'm not going to commit to this. They were in a contract, not a contract. It was a contract. Mm-hmm. And so these are the smart people mm-hmm. who've learned their lessons, who've gone through deep hurt, and the scars are still open in them, in them or their children or other people. 
So I, I don't say that to hold that over anybody. I mean, we we it's struggle. It's hard to learn our lessons, mm-hmm. but we can at least when we pull back from it, say, you know what? Whatever this thing in me which is wanting me to change my circumstance and change my spouse, whatever. At the very core of that, the truth is, it does not work. Right. I usually just take my own stuff, including the, some of the deepest hurts that are in me that have developed habits and behaviors that won't help my next marriage either. I'm just going to take that and dump that on the life of somebody else yes. because I know they'll be better. It's a setup for disaster. Yeah. It doesn't just frustrate them when we're trying to fix them. Oh, we, it frustrates ourselves because we're bet. pounding our head against something that we can't you bet. move. Yeah. So it's no wonder we have such such passion and and depth of feelings about this. It's, it's the yeah. stuff that matters the most. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I guess after this, I'm, I'm glad that we did this, Dave. Although we probably are going to have less people come to see us now <laughs> because they're going to go, Oh, great. Uh, I can't, where's the fluffy stuff? I don't want to go see Dave, but if you do, if, uh, if you think that we can help you in any way, that's what we, uh, that's what we're here for. You can get uh, in touch with, uh, breakthrough moments with Dave Galbraith, his, his organization at breakthrough moments.org. That's right. And you can get in touch with us at growinglovenetwork.org. Thanks so much, Dave. This has been a treat. It's a treat, John. Love your heart for people. and I feel a great brotherhood with you. You too. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize our culture for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this and any of our podcasts. Drop us an email at relationshiprewire at gmail.com. That's relationshiprewire at gmail.com. Is your church or organization looking for a course that doesn't just provide information, but actually transforms marriages and relationships? Then visit us at growinglovenetwork.org to see how our Growing Love course can work for you. Growing Love has been chosen by the state of Texas as a Together in Texas course, and it's also recommended for engaged couples.